This is TLDR Podcast, where we talk sports, MLB, NHLs, NBAs, pop culture, and nobody understands Westworld, and more. Top 10 alcoholic beverages. With your hosts, Alex. Yeah, boy. Eric. Yo. James. The San Francisco 49ers, best team in the league. Trade in. Right. Oh, sit down, bud. And Tyler. Oh, damn where we do the research and trash-talking for you. What kind of cockamamie bullshit is Adam Silver thinking? <laughs> they're playing super hot right now, and they're... It's they're not finishing. Good. It's the middle of the season. Oh, I understand that, but I'm saying that they're, they're moving towards that. Welcome to TLDR Podcast, presented by Anchor. Welcome and thank you for tuning in to episode 60 of TLDR Podcast. If you guys remember last week, we were killing off a five on three power play. We killed that power play off, but then Eric went and committed another penalty. I think it was slashing or doing drugs or something. Anyway, he's out for this week. <laughs> he's, <Drugs>. out. <laughs> he's out in summer league doing summer league yeah. stuff. Um, he should be back next week because I think he gets back on Wednesday. So today it's me, James, uh, Tyler, Trading, and Alex here to bring you another fantastic episode. Um, but just as always, you got to check with the guys, see how the week went. Um, I'm pretty tired. Mine went well. Alex, how was yours, man? Uh, it was good. Today's my Saturday. So, uh, slept in. Thanks, bud. Yeah. <laughs> uh, slept in, went on a hike, took the pup to the dog park. Busy couple of weeks. Yeah, sorry I missed last week. My boy Matt was in town, drank too much. Had a good time, though. Talked about breast milk with the bartender. You know, just normal things. Yeah. Nice. What did you learn about breast milk? They want to show uh, it the I learned that she had just tried it and I was like, oh, she tried breast milk. Like, she tasted it. Feeding? We were talking, we were talking about how like every human is like pretty much lactose intolerant, you know? Like it's weird that humans eat other mammals like dairy products. Like that's a strange thing humans do. And she was like, oh yeah, I just tried human breast milk for the first time since I was a kid, like a couple weeks ago. Like, uh, Okay. That's weird. That's a strange thing to be saying right now, but okay. And then she was like, yeah, if there was breast milk cheese, I'd eat it. And I was like, yeah, we got to go. Weird. Uh, yeah. Can I have the check, oh. please? <laughs> I'll take the check, please. Thanks for the... And yeah. you just got five bucks off your tip. And... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm just going to move on and talk about lemonade. So trading over there drinking a Bud Light lemonade, man. How was your week? My week was good. Um, Chapman hockey is about to start. That's the, that's the college team. I coach for those who don't know. Uh, we didn't, I didn't get to, to, to coach last year for obvious reasons. So, uh, sounds like we're going to be taking the ice and that's super exciting. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm jacked. Uh, if there's any nearby or actually even far high school kids that are looking for a college, you're looking for Southern California, come to Chapman. There's hockey. Come play hockey for us. You look really confused legal? because this is a great recruitment opportunity and you think I'm legal? an idiot. Why is, <laughs> is that, that why is that illegal? <laughs> because it's, it's like, club hockey. It's club, not NCAA. Oh, I was like yeah. an NCAA, man. That is for sure illegal. <laughs> Dude, um, you didn't know that we were club? I didn't know they operated in different rules. Yeah, there's because yeah, you can't, there's no like want. there's no cutting, there's no like tri- like there's tryouts, but there's no you can't cut, you can't like James, if like if you went back to school, you could go play hockey. Like, 
and you would be, can play you can't be turned away. Want. And you can't be turned away. Like you, you, you can like play 40 years of club hockey. And the difference is in NCAA, I don't believe you have to pay to play. You do here. So yeah. Yeah, club, club the, the players pay for everything. NCAA, yeah. the school pays for everything. Yeah. That's the main difference. So <laughs> it's absolutely legal. So please come <laughs> play for us. He's like, please help me. I need players. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tyler, you just played a game with Trayton yesterday. How'd you guys do? Yeah, so we didn't have a goalie for two periods. Um, so that was a unique hockey game, to say the least. Um, but off. So we didn't win. But we only lost four to one without having a goalie for two periods, which I feel like is a pretty solid performance. Obviously, as soon as we got the goalie in the third period, we were all pretty much gassed. So, uh, trading, what, what do you got on that? Yeah. So I didn't want to say this in front of the guys, and I'll say this in front of you. I told you, motherfuckers, to stop skating hard. You guys skated fucking way too hard for two <laughs> periods. And by the time we actually had a goalie, you couldn't do fucking anything. I said, just dump the puck. And let them skate it out. That's all you play. Fucking is boring. Just let them fucking do it, and we probably would have won that game. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little more, you know, frustrated. Mm. We could have won that game, but yeah. hey, it was only four one. So that is pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. Any Southern California kids who want to come play and be a goalie? Trains men's league team needs a goalie, <laughs> and it might be just as competitive as club hockey. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> you get unlimited eligibility. You have to pay for everything, just like club hockey. Yeah. Definitely is. is. Come play some club hockey or some men's league hockey trade in Tyler. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that being said, we're going to take a quick break. But when we return, uh, Tyler's going to take us through his MLB O-Dams of the week. Yeah. With health concerns on the rise, it's as important as ever to keep your people safe. Dimer isn't another BS COVID company. They've been developing their tech to kill germs and save lives since 2014. Dimer's original UBC products have won them partnerships with some of the best technology companies in the country and earned them a spot on Time Magazine's Best Inventions of 2020. Dimer started out disinfecting airplanes. Now they're in hospitals, athletic facilities, hotels, classrooms, basically anywhere people might have been sick. When it comes to keeping your players, employees, guests, and customers in your facility safe, trust Dimer. For TLDR listeners, they are offering free disinfection as a service in select areas. So that means they will come disinfect your facility for free. You can take them up on this offer by visiting dimeruv.com and at dimeruv on social media. Use code TLDR for your first disinfection as a service appointment for free. That's dimer like diner with an M as in Mike Trout. Ever heard of him? Kill more germs, prevent more infections, save more lives. D-I-M-E-R-U-V dot com. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, last week, I hope you guys enjoyed Tyler's Contenders and Pretenders little series thing they had going on. This week, we go back to his regular old dams, and I'm pretty excited for it because we get to kind of tackle a bunch of the biggest things that the MLB has to offer this last week. So, Tyler, it's all you, man. Oh, damn. Another great week in baseball. And we're going to kick it right off with the bat with one of the coolest, probably the one of the greatest regular season games of all time. The Field of Dreams game was on Thursday night. Hopefully, you all got to catch some of the game live. If not, hopefully, you, you saw the replays. It was incredible. I mean, the setting was gorgeous. If you guys haven't seen Field of Dreams and you watched the game, you probably didn't really care. Um, nonetheless, even if you didn't watch the movie, hopefully the setting enough was cool enough to where you were as cool. Not only was the setting great and it was all put on so wonderfully, 
the game was incredible. The game was an amazing game back and forth between the uh, Yankees and, and, the, and the White Sox. Uh, the White Sox ended up winning nine to eight on a walk-off home run from Tim Anderson, the bottom of ninth inning. In the top of the ninth inning, the, the, the Yankees were down by three runs. They got two, two run home runs from, um, sorry, my dog's sweeping on a toy. <laughs> uh, they got two, two run home runs from Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron judge. They're two biggest stars. And then the white Sox star of his own Tim Anderson with the walk-off and the bomb and ninth. It was an incredible night. Um, just so many great moments, so many great memories from that game. Uh, the commissioner also announced that next year they'll be doing the field of dreams uh, game again. Um, so we'll see who will play in that game, but it was just all around incredible. Alex, I want to get your opinion on, on first of all, it's just the field of dreams and what do you think, like, how do you think MLB did in the field of dreams setting? Like, would you think it was awesome? Did you think it was overrated? Like what kind of your thoughts on that alone? And then second question, like what kind of interesting, unique setting would you like to see MLB put on a game? Yeah. So um, I unfortunately couldn't watch any of it live. I was at work during the whole thing, but I did catch, catch a bunch of highlights. Uh, the setting was amazing. It looked like they did a really good job. Um, you know, the field looked pretty good for, you know, them building it in a, you know, cornfield in the middle of Iowa somewhere. Um, it, you know, in the, in the intro with the players, like walking out of the corn was pretty dope. Not going to lie. Like it was pretty cool. Um, on a totally separate note, field of dreams is like barely a baseball movie. If you like really think about it, it's actually just a movie about a kid, like, or like, and a now adult, like reconnecting with his father. Like there's barely any baseball in it, but I still think they did a great job. The game was super cool. Um, I know, I think they did announce who's playing in it next year. I think it's a, like NL teams, but I, I think it's the Reds. Cincinnati I think Reds it's like the Chicago Cubs. Yeah. Reds and the Cubs, which is cool because I would assume that people that live in Iowa are probably Cubs fans or White Sox fans, obviously, because that's like kind of the closest big team to them. So um, that's cool for like the other, like, you know, if there's NL fans or whatever, um, but the field looked great. Uh, you know, I think typically like, I hope they don't do as much like fanfare before the, if they're doing this annually, like it doesn't have to be this extravagant every single time. Cause I think that will get kind of old pretty quick. Like, um, but they did a great job and I think it helped the jerseys look sick. I think it helped that it was like a really good game. Um, they might need to push the right field fences out a little bit because like every single homer was going to right field and uh, they, so they might need to, might need to tweak the tweak fences a little bit, but uh, game was great. And then for your second question, um, I mean, like if you're going to do another movie, I mean, I would say the Sandlot field, even though I'm pretty sure that was filmed in like some little town in Utah somewhere. And I'm not really sure how they would make that like MLB sized because it's like a kid sized field. Um, so I think that would be cool. Um, and it made me start thinking about like other international games. So like, you know, we've seen them start off the season in Japan. You know, we've seen games in Australia and Mexico and London. I think a game in like the Dominican Republic would be sick. Um, you know, there's obviously a lot of players that come from that country. So that'd be cool. Um, so those be like, I don't know, like an adult size standlot field, I guess would be, sick, like but or the Dominican Republic. Is this like, is this like the answer to the winter classic in the NHL? Like, is this an annual annual game? It's kind of iconic. Is this what we should be expecting? Like 
as an answer to the Winter Classic? I, I guess. I mean, they're doing it next year, but I don't know if it's just like always going to be a White Sox-Cubs thing and they just switch off every year. Um, it's a little – obviously, it's tougher with baseball because they play series. Like, every time it's, you know, it's very odd for them. Even, like, when they go out of the country and play those games, like, it's always, like, a, usually, like, a two-game series and those two teams play. So, it's a little strange. They only did one game, and then they played again in – I guess then they went to New York, like, right after, like, a day later and then played more games there. So, I don't know. I, they'll do it next year, and then I guess we'll see if like it gets as good of a good a reverse reception from the MLB fans, and they'll go from there. But no idea. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the coolest things about baseball is like the setting that it's played in. I think you see that across ballparks that have you know amazing backdrops of the skyline or or or, or the bay, or in this case, a cornfield. You know, I, I think that's kind of what makes baseball a little bit special you know it's just kind of the setting it's played in is actually a really big part of it um so i hope they keep doing it i hope they come keep coming up with uh, new ideas you know i think having the field of dreams again i mean they're, 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 they're going to have it again because of how successful this one was but yeah i mean i think the fact that they haven't played a game in the dominican republic yet is crazy because of just the history and the, the rich baseball culture that's that's from that country i think they should definitely do that i think that's a really good call there um, yeah, but I mean, they played the, they played the series in London, uh, two years ago. That was, that was pretty, uh, cool. So I, I think baseball kind of has this history of, you know, wanting to go to you unique places and just play some baseball. I think it's awesome. I, I, I hope they keep doing it. Um, so yeah, so Field of Dreams games, if you, if you guys have not seen the pictures or the videos of it yet, go see it. It was honestly perfect. Like it was so great. Also, if you haven't seen Field of Dreams, go fucking watch Field of Dreams. Uh, moving on to my second, oh damn moment, uh, Tyler Gilbert. Ever heard of him? You have now. In his first ever MLB career start, he threw a no-hitter. A pretty amazing moment. Uh, the 27-year-old of the Arizona Diamondbacks no-hit the San Diego Padres of all teams. Like that, That's a pretty big team to, to, to no-hit. Uh, he was the fourth pitcher in, in MLB history to throw a no-hitter in his first start. Uh, the other guys, th- their names were Theodore, Bobo, and Bumpus. Not making that up. <laughs> So that tells you how long it's been because those names were actual names back in the you know, <laughs> hundreds and early 1900s. So it's been a long time since this has happened. Um, so it's pretty awesome. I think one of the coolest things about it too was seeing the uh, reaction from his, his dad and his family. Uh, pretty awesome. They were at that game. So I, this, this is one of those stories where, you know, Tyler Gilbert's not a first round pick. You know, he was kind of a career minor leaguer, been um, up and down the system. And just a guy that no one really knew about and wham, he comes out and he throws a no hitter. I mean, that's pretty incredible. I mean, uh, probably easily the greatest no hitter of this season and probably one of the best of all time. Um, So Traden, I want to ask you, you know, just thoughts on this no hitter in general. And also like, what is your most memorable or favorite sports debut of all time? Yeah, this, this one, (laughs) I jumped on this one when you, when you brought it to to our attention, dude, because you know, even, even the, the night it happened or the day it happened, I was just, you know, scrolling through, I don't know if Instagram or something like that. And I see that, you know, some guy gets another no hitter. I'm like, Oh, wow. I mean, I think that's what the eighth this year, there's been a lot. So that, that just adds to the, you know, craziness where they just tied the the modern day record and they're one away from the, the all-time record, which was back in 1885 or something like that back way back when. And 
<laughs> and I'm, I, I didn't think anything of it until I looked it up because I really wanted, you know, I want to see, who he pl- you know, uh, who he's playing and stuff. And I, it, I found out that it's a 27 year old guy that's never started before. That is absurd. That that is completely absurd for a guy for a guy who doesn't even crack the top 50 in the Diamondbacks prospects. This guy is a career AAA guy. I mean, in fact, you guys grabbed him back in February. Uh, the Dodgers grabbed him back in February 2020. You, you didn't even invite him to your alternate site during COVID. Um, you didn't even have him playing your AAA squad, and you left him exposed to the D, the Diamondbacks for you know some crazy rule, and he comes and and does this. And it's just absolutely insane. Uh, and the crazy thing was he, he relies on pitches that, you know, barely cracked the 90 mile mark, 90 mile an hour mark against a hot, hot uh, uh, Padres offense. I mean, that all of that is just absolutely insane. Um, so, you know, congratulations, Tyler Gilbert. What I mean, dude, that, that's just an absolute fun stat and fun event for, for, and, and fun achievement for that guy to, you know, remember for the rest of his life. Unfortunately, your two dudes that you mentioned, Bumpus and Bobo, <laughs> did not do fuck all after that. They were out of the league after like a few more games. So, yeah. Bobo and Bumpus. Let's, let's hope that doesn't, that, that doesn't, uh, that doesn't repeat itself. But to answer your second question, the only thing that came that even comes close to my mind is 2016 rookie uh, from 2016 first overall pick Austin Matthews debut for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He scored four goals in the first two periods of his debut game. He's the first and only modern day player to achieve that feat. That, that is an absolute I mean, that's absolutely insane. Um, unfortunately, or I guess if you ask me, fortunately, the Leafs still lost the game, which is kind of shitty. <laughs> How, how are you going to have your rookie score four goals for you in his, in, in what, what is supposed to be generation, uh, you know, a generational talent. And then you still lose shame on you, Toronto Maple Leafs. And I guess that's why you guys are fucking cursed for, for God knows how long now. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, for, as a pitcher, Tyler, you have to be pretty, you know, that, that must be kind of special. This one must be special of all the ones that you've seen this year. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. You know, obviously no hitters are, are very rare and they're very special, but to do it in your first career start. And I think for me, what really, what struck me hard was just seeing his dad's reaction. Like that for me was like, that is so freaking cool. Like his dad was so pumped and just crying after the game. And like, you know, he was looking at the, uh, um, up, um, up in the stands, his whole family. Like that was super cool. Like a lot yeah. of people don't really don't, you know, obviously these players, you know, go through a lot. And like some of these guys are grinders and you can tell Tyler Gilbert and his family, like they've been going through, a lot and they've been supporting him for 27 years to have this moment and for him to do it like that in this first career start is incredible well, from what i'm not from what I, if i'm not mistaken a year ago around today around this time he wasn't even playing baseball he was hoping right. he was working for his elect his dad's electrician he was working for his yeah. dad yeah i, mean, I that's, mean that's a true minor league grinder you know and honestly he's probably lucky he was on the diamondbacks because of how bad they are you know it probably had just was on it was, was on the right team at the right time but nonetheless it does not diminish that achievement that's un- incredible especially like i said against the san diego padres like that's amazing so well done tyler gilbert congrats on that enjoy it hopefully you have a lot better a lot more great starts uh, uh, ahead of you uh moving on to my third and final odama this week uh chris sale is back remember him uh, he's been out for almost two years uh, with Tommy John surgery and coming back from that. Uh, he finally came back for the Boston Red Sox last week. He got the win, striking out eight over five innings against the Orioles. 
Um, this is a huge boost for the Red Sox. We kind of mentioned last week that they're starting to tail off a little bit, and a lot of it's due to their pitching. So getting a guy like Chris Sale back is potentially really big for them. They're still holding on to a wild card spot. Um, so, James, I want to ask you, is Chris Sale back in this Red Sox rotation enough for the Red Sox to hold on to a postseason spot? I might get a lot of hate for this, but I'm going to say no. Chris Sale is not enough for this. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, like, he's a big deal for the Red Sox organization as a whole. He's a leader. He's, like, he's a good guy to have around, but he's not enough. Just let's let's think about this real fast. This is the first start in two years. And coming back from Tommy John surgery, that's a long, arduous process. And in your first season back, you're kind of still getting in the groove of things. You're not going to be consistent. It's really rough. There's going to be times that your ERA is just bloated because you're not hitting your spots or your velocity is not there. And it's not going to be consistent enough to a point where he's going to make a huge impact for this team. On top of that, he looked great in his first start of the season, but that was against the Orioles, who are the second worst team in the MLB. And they're currently on a 12-game losing streak. So, yeah, man, like you struck out eight, but you also gave up two home runs to one of the worst teams in baseball. It's a tough look. I kind of want to see him have better competition before he can make this call a bit clearer. I mean, like, honestly, the Orioles are not a good test. And on top of that, man, it's like, this is the kind of dude will be out there once every five-ish games and maybe even longer if the Red Sox decide they want to kind of manage his workload because it's his first year back, his first couple of games back. So he's not going to be there consistently. He's only going to affect one in every five or so games. I think, honestly, the bigger impact for this team is Kyle Schwarber. He's going to be out there way more often and has a chance to impact more games than Chris Sale does. I mean, granted, Chris Sale is a good leadership and good morale boost, but for the actual game of baseball, I don't know if he'll do that much for this team. I like that. I, I think those are all really good points, um, especially, you know, he is coming back from Tommy John. His innings are going to be limited. He only went five innings. He, he, on a full, healthy Chris Sale, he would have gone way deeper um, into that game. Um, you know, and that's a lot of pressure to put on a guy just coming back from Tommy John to lead that rotation. I mean, he's already their best starter and he's not at full strength. Like that's how good Chris sale is. Um, but I do think that it definitely does help the Red Sox. I think it's a huge boost for them. If they didn't have Chris sale coming back, I would say it's just a matter of time before they're, they, they uh, jump out of a playoff spot. But I do think Chris sale does help this team a lot. Um, we'll see what happens. As you mentioned, like it's one start against a really bad team. It's a lot, like a lot of pressure to put on one guy to just be the savior for this kind of Red Sox team that's starting to dip a little bit. Um, but I, I personally think it will be enough. Um, I just think that uh, Red Sox team is already very good. They're pitching, although it's not been, it's been inconsistent all year has been better than we expected. And even Chris sale at, you know, 80% is better than 80% of the league. So um, I think Chris Sale is going to be very, very good. Um, so we will see what happens. But James, I think those are all very, very solid points. Um, but that wraps it up for another uh, week of baseball here. We're getting towards the end of August and heading into the final month of the season. Um, man, these races are heating up. I mean, the, the NL East is freaking crazy. There's been three different teams in first place over the last two weeks. Uh, the AL wild card is starting to get real, real, uh, real juicy. Um, and the NL West is still up for grabs. So the Giants just keep freaking winning and I don't understand it. But anyway, James, that's all I got for baseball this week. Love it, Tyler. Like Tyler said, ending August here. Um, last week, we were about 45 feet away from third base. I think today we're about 20 feet away from yeah, third yeah. base. Yeah. Really running that corner here. 
We're going to take another quick break, but when we return, Trayton's actually going to talk football, not hockey. Oh, yeah. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you enjoyed Eric's little spiel about Dimer and how to get your medical facility cleaned. It's really cool. Good read, Eric. Um, Traden, though, our hockey guy, is going to take my football segment because I'm hosting. So Traden's going to give us a preview of the NFC East. Traden, good luck, man. Oh, God. You know, when you asked me to do this, I was really worried. Not because I didn't think I could do it, but Every time I, I see you in the screen, when I say something fucking stupid, it makes me feel even more stupid. And I know that it's going to be like that the entire 40 minutes or whatever, 30 minutes, whatever it's going to be. But nonetheless, let's fucking do it. We're talking the NFC East. We start from the bottom as, no, as per usual. We're going to start with, oh, uh, first of all, the NFC East is fucking trash. Okay. Let's just, <laughs> they were absolute trash, but we'll get to that. Philadelphia Eagles is who we start with today. Um, they, they went 4-11, and hey, they got a tie. So uh, good, good, good job. So 4-11 and 1. Um, look, the major moves, that this, team, this, this team had a lot of injuries on the offensive line, but uh, that really wasn't an excuse. They had some QB turmoil. It was, it was, quite, the, uh, it was quite the season. They did add Nick Sirianni head coach from the, uh, as a head coach. Um, he's a former offensive um, coordinator from the Colts. They signed Joe Flacco and Nick Mullins to back up Jalen Hurts. Nick Mullins, James. Nick fucking Mullins. Back <laughs> he had at two it. passes and he threw a pick in those two passes. He's so <laughs> bad. You gotta fucking love it. Um, first round, they they, uh, they nab up Devontae Smith, Alabama Heisman winner as wide receiver. That's a big that's a big pickup um, in the first round there. Um, they bring in new defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon, um, brought in to fix the 19th ranked D last year. A major reason why. You know, they were kind of trash among, among the other reasons on the other side of the ball. They added former Viking Eric Wilson on a one-year deal, and they signed Darius Slay last season at corner. Oh, look, this is an interesting one. Tyler, this is your team, man. You know, are they going to be better? Or tell me why they're going to be better than last season. All right, I'll tell you why they'll be better. I don't know if it'll be good, but I like that question. Why, why will they be better? I mean, okay, you got Jalen Hurts is full-on – QB one. Okay. So obviously last season with Carson Wentz, Jalen hurts, it was kind of this crazy thing. Jalen hurts kind of took over the, uh, you know, the last few games there, but Jalen hurts is the guy. So this team is being built around Jalen hurts. We got a new head coach that I think has a little bit better, you know, offensive mindset, a guy that seems to be, have, seems to have the right culture to, you know, fit into Philly. Um, and I think hurts is going to be successful. Um, for a few reasons. I think one, he's very much liked by his teammates. I mean, I, I think that's huge for a quarterback. Number two, he's coachable. I think that's also huge. I think guys that can learn from great football minds um, are going to be successful in this league, not guys that are, you know, have this huge ego and say, I play this way and I'm not going to play this way. He's a very coachable player. And two, obviously, or three, excuse me, he's obviously super talented. Okay. So it's only a matter of time before this guy puts it all together. I think he's got a good head on his shoulders along with the amazing talent he has. It's only a matter of time before this guy is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. I really truly believe that. Um, So all they got to do is build around it. Now, I don't think they're there yet. I think they're starting to get there. Um, I think Devontae Smith is going to need to be the big play, big playmaker that he was in college. I think they drafted him to be that guy. So hopefully he is. Um, 
Miles Sanders, I like him at, at running back. I think he's going to continue to get better. I think he's a great uh, playmaker. Um, the offensive line, as you mentioned, was super injured last year. I think they had like 16 different starting offensive linemen or something crazy um, last season. So hopefully they're going to come back. They're going to come back healthier. Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks were the kind of the, the two guys that missed a, bol- a huge bulk of time um, last season. Then they'll be back. So hopefully that gets healthy. Health is never a, a guarantee, especially on the on the, the O line. You know, but they also got Jason Kelsey. He's one of the best uh, off, off offensive linemen in the league. This off of offensive line, if they can stay healthy, will be a lot better in in 2021. Um, so I I see good things. I think the defense doesn't. You know, it's not really. It's I I think it's top heavy. You you've got you know uh, Fletcher Cox and and Brandon Graham in there. Past that, the secondary. You know, Darius Slay. He needs to be a lot better. So. On the, on, on the defensive side, I'm a little concerned on that part of it. I just, like I said, they have like three or four guys that are really good past that. It's like really, really iffy. But offensively, I think this team's going to put up some points. Um, so I think that's really going to be their strength this season. Um, and they're definitely going to be better. I think they're going to be way more confident in the, who their leaders are. They got a head coach that's coming in there new. They got a bunch of different coaches. They got Jalen Hurts. Or, or Jalen Hurts, he's going to be his guy. The only question mark on this Eagles team is like what's going on with, with Zach Ertz. Obviously, he's coming back, but apparently he's not super happy. Um, so we'll see what's going on with that. But that's kind of the one question mark in terms of, like, who's like who's playing what role. But other than that, I feel like this Eagles team coming in this season, everyone knows who, everyone knows whose role is what. I think that's a huge difference from last season. I, I think you'll see more wins uh, because of that. Alex, call out Tyler's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, first – we talked about this off air. Tyler has two teams. It's fucking ridiculous. And they're both in the NFC. Okay, Tyler, when the Rams came to Los Angeles, you have to pick one. You either become a Rams fan or you stick with the Eagles. You can't do both. But you did it anyway. So that's problem, problem number one. <laughs> problem number two is the Eagles franchise is just dysfunctional as fuck. They, they pretty much – I don't know if they have announced that Jalen Hurts is actually QB1 yet. There's been quotes and quotes and quotes from the head coach saying, no, it's still a competition. We're not going to name him QB1. Why? Why don't you just name the best QB on your roster, your QB1, instead of Nick Mullins and Joe Flacco? Like, what are you doing? Be more consistent. You, you, uh, you know, it was so bad. You kicked out your, uh, you know, past number two overall pick in Carson Wentz, who was a good quarterback at one time in with the Eagles and Doug Peterson, who, by the way, won the Eagles a Super Bowl like two years ago. It's so dysfunctional that you both of those guys are now gone, even though they had they worked together well, even though, you know, obviously Nick Foles is the one that led the Eagles through that playoff run. I don't, unfortunately, like as good as Devontae Smith was in college, when you look at NFL wide receivers that are that have been his size in the past, they typically don't succeed. Now, he could be the outlier here because he's obviously extremely talented, but really small wide receivers like that don't end up succeeding in the NFL a whole lot. So that is a little bit of a worry. The Zach Ertz situation is, yeah, who knows? I mean, he's pretty much your longest tenured guy and he's pissed, Um, you know, other than maybe like Fletcher Cox or somebody, but I just don't, I just don't have a whole lot of trust in, Jalen Hurts yet we saw what three games from him last year and he did he performed pretty well but can we really trust 
that he's going to be a direct quote from Tyler, the next Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> he said that on this podcast like a year ago. Yeah, he did. Don't think we didn't forget that shit. <laughs> you said the next Patrick Mahomes. So if he's not that, that was like, that's a pretty dumb thing to say. Um, I just, <laughs> I just don't, I don't have a whole lot of trust in the Eagles. Their defense is going to be terrible. Um, it, it could work out, but I, I'm not, I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling great about it. So what record do you give them? I'm going to go six and 11. Hey, that's an improvement. That's it an is. Improvement. An, I mean, they have to be better than they were last year. I mean, I mean, they that's have not enough true. talent. I mean, I guess they don't have to, they could be terrible, but I mean, they, they do have enough talent to at least win six games. I think. Okay. So Tyler, what about you? Uh, so first of all, to uh, respond to Alex's two team oh. argument. Um, <laughs> yeah. Whatever happened to loyalty? I mean, come on. Like, exactly. I've been, I've been, then I've you, been an Eagles fan. Then you should have been an Eagles fan. <laughs> no, no. You should okay, have been a Rams listen. fan. No, no, no. No, no, okay, no, no. okay nope. I didn't nope. drop the Eagles because I've been an Eagles fan for most of my life. The Rams came to – and I at first, I didn't want to be a Rams fan because I was like, no, I, I'm an Eagles fan. Like, like this is my team. But I'm LA, I'm an L.A. guy. Like, I'm going to root – I it was inevitable that I, I was going to eventually root for the Rams. Like so, I might as well just. Why go. are you not a Chargers guy? Because if the, Rams the Chargers had, if the Chargers had come first, would you have been a Chargers guy? Probably yes. Oh, oh. that's disappointing. Yeah, that that was. Hey, hey, at I least it's an AFC team, though. Hey, that's a what? Hey, if uh, question. <laughs> that's a what if question. I don't know. What if? Shit. I mean, give me the fucking record. The Rams came first. The Rams came first. I was like, oh, sh-. like for the first time in my lifetime, there was a a, a team in LA. You know, that's actually false. The Rams yeah. were in first LA time, when you were a baby. First time I remember <laughs> that there's a football team in Los Angeles, so I jumped on the bandwagon right away. I'm not gonna apologize. We for it. we are off it's the bullshit. rails. But anyway, bullshit. <laughs> Uh, I already forgot what my oh second point. Uh, shout out to Alex Singleton of the Philadelphia Eagles. I played high school baseball uh, with you, oh. so that's pretty freaking awesome. He was the tack, uh, leader with tackles. Uh, so Alex Singleton, keep get uh, keep uh, getting after it. Awesome stuff. Um, and then my record for the Eagles this year, I'm going to go one up Alex's record, seven and ten. Um, I do think that they're going to be a lot better and they'll win a lot more games. Not going to be great. Not going to be a winning team, but they'll be way way better and take a step forward. Okay. Uh, James, what do you got? I'm going to have to agree with Tyler, unfortunately. I'm going to go 7-10. and 10. I'm really excited for that Jalen Hurts to Devontae Smith connection. And, yes, there is a lot of injury concern there in terms of health because of, he's such a small guy. But if he stays healthy, he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. He gets open easily. He gets downfield easily. Uh, offense is going to be great. The defense, not so much, which is why 7-10. and 10. All right. I got 5-12. and 12. Um, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and whack off fucking, uh, fucking, um, Jalen hurts. Cause I, it's a three game fucking, uh, what do you call it? Sample size. Just, just don't feel it. Um, and I just like to be an asshole. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to throw that out there. Uh, let's go to fantasy. Speaking of Jalen hurts, try to, try, try to, try to, you know, maintain yourself, Tyler. He's going ADP rank 84, which is QB rank 12. I, James, I get these, might get these a little bit different than what you get. This is the state that I use. So if I'm wrong, just can you just leave it to the end? Um, 
Matt Ryan is ranked 15th in quarterbacks, obviously with a longer experience record, although he's definitely on the other side of the age hill. Who do you pick between these two? And I guess I know your answer, but your my your answer might surprise. I mean, Jalen Hurts. Like I said, I think this I think this guy has a really good upside. Obviously, it's a risk. He hasn't, as you mentioned, the sample size is small. But I do think, I really truly believe this guy has the right talent in place. He has the right system in place to be successful, especially fantasy-wise. I really think he's going to put up some big fantasy numbers. I think he, I, I've said it before. I think fantasy-wise, he, he, he could be a top 10 guy. I, I do like that he can move the ball with his feet um, in terms of uh, fantasy points. More than Matt Ryan, that's for sure. So I guess yeah. if that's what you're going to base off, you're going to oh, go. Yeah. You're going to go with uh, Jalen Hurts. I just like Matt Ryan. That's all. Uh, then we move on to Miles Sanders, running back, ADP 34, 17th in running backs. This puts him around the third round. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, ish, ish. Um, historically, less than 900 yards, but has a solid 4.9 yards per carry in his career. Tyler, do you think Miles Sanders finishes in the top 15 quarterbacks, and do you think he breaches a thousand yards? Um, I think he does. I obviously the main, when he's in the game, when he's healthy, he's very good. You see, you see, you see the stats there, you know, 4.9 yards per carry. I think he missed four or five games last season and had 800 ish yards. I mean, if he plays, you know, even half or, you know, or two or three, maybe four of those games, that's over a thousand yards. Um, obviously the big question mark is health, but he's definitely capable of having a thousand yard season easy. Um, so I'm going to say, yes, I think he'll get it this year. Um, I think Miles Sanders is a great RB2 option. All right. Um, and I did not do, talk about Devontae Smith here because his ADP was not very high. So I, I, I didn't want to deal with that. But I do want to talk about, da- for, for some reason, and I don't know why, but Dallas Goder is the, is the main tight end for, uh, for, for the Eagles, I guess. Um, his ADP is 100, his tight, tight end ranked eight. So he is going to be on a uh, starting lineup. Mike Gasecki is going tight end 12, despite a trong- stronger 2020 season with his ADP around 119. Whose value do you like better? I mean, I'm definitely biased here, but I'm like, oh, Goddard, because I just, I, I like, Damn. I think he, uh, like I said, it, I think Eagles historically have loved tight ends, you know? Um, so I think this, the, the new connection that hurts uh, Goddard connection, I think it's going to be special. Okay. Do you, do you not remember that they still have Ertz there too? So I don't think Ertz I, I think Ert, Ertz Ertz is on his way out. I really do think. I, I think I think last season proved that. Um, no, it's nothing against Ertz. I think he was a, he's a fantastic tight end, one of the greatest tight ends in Eagles history. Um, but I just think he's on the decline. I really do. I I I think Goddard is the new number one tight end in 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 in, in Philly. I could be wrong, but that's just that's what I feel like. All right. I like it. We're going to move on. Thank you, Tyler. We're going to move on to the third place team in the uh, NFC East, the New York football giants for Christ's sake. Uh, they went six and 10 last season. <laughs> 2017 saw general manager Dave Gettleman take the helm to lead this rebuild project. And instead the giant and he, instead he has ushered in probably the worst football and giants last 50 seasons. Um, since around that time, it has been absolutely terrible for this team. Um, but I have to say they made some major moves. Um, they signed wide receiver Kenny Galladay, who is the first true number one receiver since OBJ, which is kind of weird because he's not like the biggest name. It kind of shows the depth there. Uh, John Ross, the third, shows up the wide receiver depth as well. 
Evan Ingram is back at the tight end position. They also added Kyle Rudolph if Ingram is out again, which, <laughs> you know, uh, drafted <laughs> Kadarius Tony, Tony. And uh, he's an exclusive, exclusive, explosive receiver capable of big plays. Um, Saquon Barkley is back as well. Hopefully he can stay healthy. Um, they re they re-signed Leonard Williams who registered 11.5 sacks on the seasons. Very, very solid. And side to Doria Jackson's cor at cornerback and got a potential gift as they drafted edge rusher Aziz Olujari who fell into the second round. None of us, I, don't, I think everyone, I think here, I believe everyone expected him to be in the first round, at, um, but he ended up in the second round. So that might've been a huge gift for the, uh, for the, for the giants on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and I, I have to take this team, I guess, uh, because it's, I was kind of forced to <laughs> look, <laughs> look, <laughs> Daniel Jones to me, I'm going to, I'm going to start right from the top. Daniel Jones is a big question mark. He, I think this is his last go around because if he doesn't figure it the fuck out, he's kind of, he's kind of done. <laughs> I mean, uh, this, this is a giants team that is very, very embarrassed that needs to find a way to, to, you know, put themselves in the right direction. Uh, and he's going to have a lot of work. Um, Saquon Barkley going down was a big, was a hurt a lot. And if he can stay healthy, I think that's, that's an absolutely huge, um, huge thing for that offense. Uh, I think that he, I think that he'll be surrounded by better wide receiver talent. Kenny Galladay is a, is a very, very solid wide receiver, not the best, but he is a very solid wide receiver. You do have Sterling Shepard who is reliable and has been, uh, Darius Slayton has the ability to go deep. Um, and then speedy John Ross, as I mentioned, uh, has the ability to make plays as well. So you actually have some better weapons to work with. I, I, I'd like to hope. Um, defensively, uh, he, I think they made it, I think they made pretty solid moves. And I think that they, I think that they're going to be at least moving in the right direction. I'm not going to say that they are going to be incredibly better, but I like to hope that their defense, their defense is going to be, you know, in, in, Per, in an actual rebuild mode. And I like the offense a lot better than I did last year. Um, that being said, it is the giants. So who fucking knows James call me out on my bullshit. <laughs> All right, man. So Daniel Jones, I agree with you. He's not that good. This is his last year. He had a really great rookie year. Everybody loved him. Eric loved him, called him the fantasy goat, <laughs> but last year he regressed big time. The dude had as many interceptions as he did, did touchdowns. That is never a good sign right there. You had mentioned that they brought in some talent at wide receiver in John Ross and Kenny Galladay. John Ross was a high draft pick. Never really showed out. He was with the Bengals forever. Didn't get any time with the Bengals. That's crazy because for a long time they had nobody, so you should have showed out there. And then Kenny Galladay is a fast guy, goes downfield, downfield threat. Good. He's If you can get him the ball, he's good. But the Giants offensive line is terrible. I think it's like they're not even ranked the top 25 offensive line-wise. They're They're bad. Daniel Jones is not going to have any time to throw downfield. Saquon's going to get the ball a ton. He's going to rush the, for 30, 35 carries a game for 70 yards because that offensive line sucks. There's no way this team's going anywhere. Defensively, you had mentioned they brought Adore Jackson in. Adore Jackson was injured for 13 games last year, and then before that, he didn't play that well. So, yeah, they signed him to a multi-million dollar deal, but it's not going to pan out. He's not as good as he used to be. And it's going to kind of – it's going to be a shit year. The New York teams are going to be bad this year. Oh, actually, one more thing. Let's talk about the coaching here and the culture yeah. that the New, York, New York Giants have. Have you guys heard about the amount of players who have signed with the Giants 
and then retired two to three days later. Because there's been four players who have literally just signed with the Giants and then went to practice and were like, fuck this, I quit. I'm never playing football ever again. Boom. That's how bad the culture is in New York. Well, with that information, what is their record going to be? I'm going to go five and 12. Five and 12. Yeah, that's pretty much where I'm going to have them. Uh, Yeah, I have nothing else to say about that one. Alex, where do you got uh, the Giants this year? Uh, I've got them one game better than the Philadelphia Eagles, so seven and and uh, what is it, seven and ten? How do I do math? Seven and ten. <laughs> it's weird because we're used to sixteen games, so everything's kind of yeah. It's, I'm still figuring out. <laughs> Tyler, yeah, I can't have my Eagles projected to be in last place back to back seasons, so I'm gonna have the Giants one game worse than the Eagles at six and eleven. All right, they you know like. Yeah, they suck. Um, moving on to <laughs> fantasy. Um, yeah, quarterback Daniel Jones is not going to be drafted. And I'm not going to sit here and say, say, oh, you should you should draft him. I'm going to kind of run this fantasy as if and just kind of give you my thoughts preliminarily. And Daniel Jones, don't draft him. Sorry, Eric. Just if you actually please, Eric, you draft him because I want you to lose. So please, please, please draft him. Uh, running back Saquon Barkley is back. His ADP is 70. He's running back seven, um, according to this rank. But TLDR who's a way more reputable source, ranks him nine. So don't be fooled by fantasypros.com. You heard it here. Do not draft him seventh. Okay? Take it to the bank. Uh, wide receiver Kenny Galladay, um, he's, his ADP is 61. His, his wide receiver ranked 25. I think this might be a little light, but I think that's only because he's, you know, being thrown to by Daniel Jones. I mean, there's not really much safety there. I think that if he's... I, I think that if he's working with any other quarterback, he's 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 a higher rank than 25. Um, with that said, I don't think he's going to crack a top. You know, he might crack top 25 um, if if uh, Daniel Jones can figure it the fuck out. Um, if not, uh, I'd be a little weary about him. Maybe he's a maybe he's a you know flex position for like when you're playing like the Eagles or something. Uh, <laughs> I, had to, I had to jab it in there, Tyler. Wow. I had to jab it in there. Uh, Tight end Evan Ingram, um, ADP's 18 is tight end 16. Uh, I'd say that's pretty fair. Tight end 16 means that he's like your backup. So that's pretty, that's pretty much what, what you can expect with the uh, New York football giants. Um, as you can tell, we are not very high on the giants, even Saquon Barkley, who is a remarkable talent. We have to admit, and I, we will admit that. Um, moving on to the second place team last year, the, America's team, Dallas Cowboys, who went went six and ten as well. Um, Prescott finally signed his quarterback four year contract, one hundred sixty million dollar contract. Congratulations, Dakota Prescott, you have earned it. Um, it's it was extremely sad to see you um, get injured last year. That was very tragic. Uh, you were you were st- starting out to be uh, have quite this season last year. The major moves uh, for the Dallas Cowboys this off se- uh, this off season. Uh, Dan Quinn came over to take over as a defensive coordinator. Uh, he was head coach of the, uh, of the, uh, Atlanta of, of, of the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, it's kind of, it's, it tells a lot when you're getting, when you're going from head coach down to defensive coordinator, that means you probably aren't that great. Um, or you just don't have much trust. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm talking shit, James, and you can, you know, tell, tell to me later. Uh, X jets edge rusher was added. Tarot. Basham and third round choice Chauncey Golston will uh, join that defensive line. 
they did invest further in the linebacker position, which ha- which hasn't been clicking for them, which so they they went and got what they needed. They drafted Micah Parsons in the first round and drafted corner Kelvin Joseph, who will look to beat out Anthony Brown for that starting spot. I think that's going to help them. Uh, I think that's going to help them at the uh, at the linebacker position and and the corner position, uh, something that they probably really needed, uh, you know, going forward. So, Alex. Why is Dallas going to be better than last year? Yeah, as much as we all like to hate on the Dallas Cowboys because they're the Dallas Cowboys, um, this offense has the chance to be elite. If Dak Prescott is healthy, which to be completely frank is a little bit of a question mark. He's coming back from obviously like a, a major ankle injury. And Ben is having a weird second MRI on his throwing shoulder after the Cowboys tweeted out that weird fucking thing about like, don't worry, but also he's getting a second MRI. It was it's very strange. Um, but Dak Prescott is a legit superstar in this league. Um, you know, before he got injured last year, he was on pace to throw like 7,000 yards. Would, you know, would he really have done that? No, probably not. But that's insane that he was on pace through four and a half weeks. Um, they, you know, probably got the best three wide, like, wide receiver group in any possibly of anyone in football. Um, you know, as much as Ezekiel Elliott is kind of a fucking weird dude, he's still a pretty good back. He's still on the, you know, the lower end. He hasn't hit that 30 age mark. Um, if he, if it's all about health, um, their offensive line last year was garbage. Uh, they should be better this year, possibly middle of the pack, you know, maybe closer to like the 15 to 10 range. If that happens, this offense can be very, very good. In a division we've already mentioned is pretty garbage. Um, the big question mark is the defense. They are not projected to be very good, but if they can play up above, you know, where their projections are, this Cowboys team could be better than I think some people expect. Um, so I, I do think this Cowboys team is going to be better, you know, this year compared to next. Having a healthy Dak Prescott for the entire year is definitely helpful. Um, you know, losing him for a quarter or, you know, three quarters of the season doesn't help, but I think the Cowboys should be much better. I like it, but I do smell some bullshit and Tyler, what is it? <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, it's just the pressure of playing in Dallas and being America's team, which is complete bullshit. But I think it honestly does get into the head of some of these players and coaches because how it seems like every year, everyone's all about the Cowboys and every year they always failed me expectations because I don't know why they just inflate the egos and, and, and the expectations that seem every single year. And they always let down. It's not it's the same as going to happen this year. I mean, Alex, yes, they do have a chance to have a very elite offense. They have the talent. They have the stars there to be elite. However, as you mentioned, injuries are a big concern that coming off a major injury. Uh, Elliot had his worst, the worst year of his career last season. Maybe he's lost a step or two. Um, I don't know if he's the same Ezekiel Elliott that we've seen in the past. Um, the offensive line, who is, who is a, one of the best offensive lines, if they're there, that they have a combined 13 Pro Bowls. But last season, they missed a combined 36 games. That ain't going to get it done. They got to stay healthy. Um, the defense is coming off their worst season ever in their history. Obviously, they did a lot in the offseason to try and correct that. But I don't know if that's going to be a whole lot better. Um I think this Dallas Cowboys team is going to be the same as every year. It's just mediocre and it's going to be disappointing. That's Dallas. 
What's what do you give them for a record this year? Okay, so I'm gonna give them eight and nine. So they are gonna bear the Eagles, which is a which is a big move on my part. Okay, <laughs> but they're still not gonna have a winning record. Eight and nine. All right, Alex, what do you got? I'm gonna go nine and eight. I really wanted to give them double digit wins, but Dak's injury question marks are worrying me a little bit. So I'm gonna go nine and eight. Um, they that's still that's still fighting for uh, winning this division because it's this division. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, James, what are your thoughts? I want to just continue the trend here and add one more win on it. So I'm going to go 10 and seven for the record. Um, Dak is going to be back, which is great. But to Tyler's point, they missed 36 games due to injury for their offensive line. If their offensive line can become healthy, Dak shouldn't have to pressure, shouldn't have all that load on his shoulders at that point, because you've seen in the past, the running game would carry that team. Before Dak Prescott was Dak Prescott, his rookie year, Ezekiel Elliott was the guy. And if they can go back to that, they were successful then. So go back to that there. I do like Micah Parsons. I've, have you guys watched Hard Knocks? That dude is insane. He's really fun. He's all about football. He wants to play. I'm excited for this defense to take a step forward. But mostly I'm more excited for this offensive line, this offense, Dak Prescott, wide receivers, and Ezekiel Elliott. They're going to put up a lot of points, score a lot of um, – get a lot, a lot of yards. It's going to be good. Fun to watch. Yeah, I – I like the I like Dan Quinn coming over, and it sounds like he might be, um, you know, moving them back to a defensive scheme that makes a little bit more sense away from the one that completely gave up the most either yards or gave up the most points in franchise history. So uh, any step in the right direction is a good step. Um, I I have them at nine and eight, yeah, nine and eight, um, and that's that's around where you guys have them, give or take. So uh, let's look at fantasy, Alex. QB Dakota Prescott, ADP 43. He's fifth-ranked quarterback. He promises to come back healthier and better than before his tragic injury. 2019 saw him – I didn't. I don't bring up 2020 numbers for obvious reasons. 2019 saw him for, throw for 4,900 yards and 30 touchdowns, a breakout from his first three seasons, if you ask me. Alex, do you have Dak – Dallas? I'm sorry. Alex, you have Dak ranked seventh in quarterbacks. Are you confident that Dak will not be a top-five quarterback as expected by the – by the experts? Uh, no, actually not at all. I wanted to rank him higher than that, but the the shoulder injury was what made me drop him a couple of spots because I'm just a little hesitant on it. I legitimately think he'll probably end up being a top five guy if he's healthy. Um, the defense should be bad enough that they're going to have to throw a lot, and he has three incredibly elite wide receivers to throw to. So it would not surprise me if he ended up in the top three QBs by the end of the season. Ooh, that's, that's a big move. Um, especially where you have him ranked. That's very interesting. Uh, running back, uh, Zeke Elliott. Here we go. Zeke, uh, eight, he was ADP six, sixth ranked, uh, makes him the sixth ranked running back, which incidentally is where we have him placed. So that's probably where he's going. Cause we're kind of a big deal. Um, he had a significant drop off in production last year. Um, not even amassing a thousand yards. When he, when he is a perennial plus 1,300-yard rusher and even way more uh, a couple seasons there. Um, yards per carry dropped by a half yard, and yards per game continued its march downward. Alex, are we going to see a bounce back from this rusher, or is it going to be another disappointing season? No, I think we'll see a bounce back. And James Framich mentioned it. You know, their offensive line should be better. Um, that's a huge reason, obviously, is why Zeke was had a down year last year is, their incredibly talented offensive line was hurt when your offensive line is hurt. 
the defense gets through quicker and can hit the running back and or quarterback more quickly. It's like, it's pretty basic when it comes to that aspect of it. So if they can stay healthier, Zeke is still a monster. He should still be, you know, one of the top six picks off the board. Um, It's really just, if you're a Cowboys fan and you want to pick him four, go for it. Um, I would pick him before Barkley for sure. Um, I know, but I think that that six range is just about right for him. I like it. Um, so on the wide receiver side, we have CD Lamb, who's ADP 38, wide receiver ranked 12, and Amari Cooper, ADP for, uh, ranked 46 and, and ranked 17th among wide receivers. This suggests that both guys are going to go around the same round, give or take, right? So Amari Cooper has amassed above 1,000 yards in nearly every one of his seasons, and, and Lamb comes off his rookie season with 935 yards. Both got five touchdowns last year. Who are you drafting? I'm going to draft CeeDee Lamb. I think he's going to have a huge breakout. It would not surprise me if he ended up as a top 10 wide receiver. Um, And it would not surprise me if we start calling him like the fantasy MVP of this season, you know, of where he's drafted to where he ends up. CeeDee Lamb is, could be a huge, could be have a huge breakout. And you know what? And if you end up with Amari Cooper instead, that's still a very talented wide receiver. Um, Unfortunately, if like I, he feels a very, a little bit boomer bust to me. Like there'll be games where he has 150 yards and two touchdowns. And then next week he has three catches for 15 yards. It's the consistency with Amari Cooper is a little frustrating, but I think CD lamb is the guy. I love it. Um, that rounds out the top or the second uh, team. Now we're going to finish it with the first team in the nfc east the washington football team who went seven and nine a losing record and won their division the least smelling piece of the pile of shit that was the nfc last season this team went from a three and 13 season to a seven and nine season and take and took the title losing the wild card game to the eventual super bowl champs only by eight points which is actually quite a feat considering the bucks absolutely stomped the best team in the nfl in the super bowl so you got to you got to tip your hat to the uh, to the football team there. Um, major moves. Uh, I'm going to preface this by saying, boy, does it help to have cap space? Because wow, they made moves. Um, the atrocious offense, I think, was improved. Uh, they signed veteran Ryan Fitzpatrick to take the helm at QB for the time being. I think this is a pretty smart move, considering Fitzmagic is a very serviceable quarterback, even in even for a retooling team. Is he, is he a bona fide first? No, but he's going to be able to win you a couple games. Uh, and I, and I like that play. Uh, they signed wide receiver um, playmaker, Curtis Samuel drafted Diami Brown in the draft, which will add to the relatively uninspiring wide receiver core outside of Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin's amazing, but there wasn't really anything after that. Um, they also signed slot receiver, Adam Humphreys, um, which is actually a recommendation of Fitzy himself. That's, that's pretty good. Um, that's pretty cool. Chase Young has so far lived up to the hype that led this team to the one of the best defensive teams in the NFL. They continued their very shrewd drafting by taking up linebacker Jamin, da- Jam- Jamin Davis, which was the weak spot last year. That linebacker position was the weak spot. William Jackson si- was signed and is an elite cover man that has the skills and speed that coaches absolutely love. James, why is the football team going to be even better or at least less stinky than they were last year? I think the football team is going to be remarkably better than they were last year. Ryan Fitzpatrick is the complete opposite of what Alex Smith and Kyle Allen and Tyler Taylor Henneke were. He's aggressive. 
he goes out there and throws the ball deep. Like his average at the target's like over 10 yards. Alex Smith's average at the target was three yards. This offense is going to be way more explosive, way more fun to watch and have more plays under center. More offense equals more viewing. Everybody wants to come play for Washington. For a team that's been terrible for years and years and years and years, it's going to be something that's going to be fun to watch this season. This O-line is exceptional. Then the addition of tackle Sam Cosby in the first round is going to help with that huge. It's just that O-line just shorted up. It's going to be, I think it's like, I don't know, top 10 offensive line right now. And it's a better O-line than the Dolphins had. And we saw what Fitz did with the Dolphins last year. He did really well. On top of that, this skill position group is the best that Ryan Fitzpatrick has ever had in his entire career. And he's been around. He's been to nine different teams. He's been, he's seen a lot of players, but this group is special. Their running back is Antonio Gibson, who is a wide receiver turned running back. Last year was his first year in the league. He didn't do, he did okay, but didn't perform up to expectations. He didn't play third down because he didn't know blocking assignments. But one more year as running back is going to help you out there. He's going to be on the field a whole bunch, and he's going to be a good outlet and can run the ball well, catch the ball, obviously, because he was a wide receiver. And Terry McLaurin, as you had mentioned, elite talent. There's not much else to say there. Curtis Samuel, who they picked up, speedy wide receiver, perfect with a wide receiver two role. And then Logan Thomas, who we haven't mentioned at the tight end, he had a breakout year last year. He used to be QB, so he understands a lot of the blocking schemes, a lot of what the defense will do, so he can run routes really, really well. And Ryan Fitzpatrick likes to throw to the tight end, so he's going to be a really big body in the end zone. Defensively, it was an elite defense that got even better. They have a top three defensive line. I guarantee you that Chase Young and Montez will both have double-digit sacks this season. They'll be crazy hard to defend. And like you had mentioned, Jamin Davis fills that weak spot at linebacker, and they picked up the best corner and as a free agent in William Jackson the third, this this is a filthy defense, and it was a great defense before. It's even better now. I mean, last season they're they were weak offensively, but they've added a lot of pieces to make this to show that this team has a lot of potential if they play up to their level. So that, I think they're gonna have a great year. All right. Well, I was tasked with um, calling out your bullshit, but I'm gonna be honest. I I I, I don't I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it would be disrespectful because because I actually love the def- defense on this team, and I absolutely love Ryan Fitzpatrick. He he is, I, I loved him on the on the Dolphins, and I think it was I think is there was a little bit of bullshit there with uh, with the Dolphins that season that, you know, I I I will be I will be willing to t- say that the Dolphins had a chance at the playoffs if you if you continue playing him. He he played a fantastic season in my opinion, uh, and now he's gonna he's gonna usher in. Um, this fo- this football team that is now has rebuilt their defense, made it better, and that now they have an offense that is being rebuilt and is going to be better. So, um, and he's going to kind of be the forefront. He was a he was a great uh, uh, leader for for Tua and whoever they bring in, he'll he'll continue that role. Um, and um, I I really like this team. I, I I can't say anything bad about it because I, I would be talking shit on Ryan Fitzpatrick, and that's that's a crime to me. Um, so I, I'm sorry guys. I'm, I'm, I'm no fun, but it, it'd be hard. <laughs> it'd be hard. Um, I have them, I actually have them going, uh, 11 and seven. James. I think you mean 11 and six and I'm also 11, and six. 11 and six, 11 and six. Yeah. <laughs> See, the, 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 you know, I don't know my mind, you know, um, Alex, what do you think? Uh, just to be different, I'll go 10 and seven. Um, but I do think that they're the best, the best team in this division. Um, they should they should win it, uh, assuming everyone stays healthy. 
and Tyler. Yeah, I got 12 and five. I think this team is going to be, be very oh. good. I think they're loaded. They got a lot of depth, a lot, a lot of talent, and they're easily the best team in this division. It's not even close. Yeah, I, I think we all agree on that. Um, looking at fantasy, uh, as you mentioned, James, uh, running back Antonio Gibson is going ADP 17, which, which ranks him 12th among running backs. Gibson amassed 795 yards in 14 games, played with a staggering 4.7 yards per carry. Do you think Gibson will approve on this? And do you think he can finish as a top 10 running back? Oh, absolutely. Like I mentioned before, he's going to be on the field a lot more than he was last season. I mean, last season, he didn't really play the first couple of games and was only on the field for the first one or two downs. And then they took him out for the third because he couldn't pass pro. He's going to be, he's going to be a three down back. Um, maybe in fourth down because we were both wrong. Nicely went fourth down. I think he's going to have over a thousand yards rushing and close to, to 800 yards receiving. He's going to have a total of at least 1,800 yards, which is going to put him in the top 10 for sure. Wow, that means one of our guys is going to be pushed down next season. So that'll be interesting to see if that happens. Um, wide receiver Terry McLaurin is going ADP 36 and wide receiver 10. Mike Evans and Keenan Allen, two very prominent wide receivers in their respective clubs, are expected to be drafted wide receiver 11 and 12 respectively. Do you see McLaurin outperforming these other two guys, or do you see better value with Evans or Allen? I see better value with Allen mainly because I mean I respect Terry McLaurin but I just mentioned that Antonio Gibson is going to take a lot of that workload and how he's going to take a lot of those yards rushing and receiving Keenan Allen on the other hand has rapport with um, Justin Herbert he had a good last season he's going to continue to do the same thing and Justin Herbert's going to be more comfortable throwing the ball and Keenan Allen's just going to get he's been doing it for a long time man he's as consistent as it gets when he's healthy at this point Keenan Allen's a very safe pick while Terry McLaurin, if you draft him, you're looking more at his ceiling more than his average. I like that. Uh, and at, finally at the tight end position, Logan Thomas is going ADP 96, which is good for tight end seven in some consensus reports. Do you think Logan Thomas finishes as a top 10 tight end? Absolutely. 100%. Ryan Fitzpatrick likes to throw to his tight ends and Logan Thomas has shown that he can get in the end zone and get touchdowns and just be an all around good tight end for somebody who used to be a quarterback. He knows how quarterbacks think and he can get open because of that. So I would absolutely believe that William Thomas finishes as a top 10 tight end. All right. That's good enough for me. Hey, that is the NFC East. Hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, James, I, I hope you approve. Oh, absolutely. Dude, you did a great job. Thank you for covering for me. I really appreciate that. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed too. We're going to take another quick break. Our last break of the night or the day, depending on whenever you're listening to this, but in return, Alex is back and he's going to talk about some basketball trades. Yeah. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that song that Trey or Tyler put on there, whatever it is. They're kind of catching fun to listen to. Um, Alex is going to talk about basketball and what's happened this offseason, whether it be signing or trading, player moving from team to team it's a lot of good stuff and we're gonna talk all about it so alex it's all you man thank you james yeah this might be my last basketball one for a while until we you know start ramping up for the next season um so we're gonna do you know a good old classic old faces new places type of situation right now um so i had the boys pick a player that moved from one team to another it could be via trade free agency signing however whatever i don't really give a shit about that however they want to pick it um, and if they wanted to be positive or negative, uh, because that's more fun. So they, they all made their picks. Um, you know, so let's start off with trading. 
Uh, so who's your guy and, you know, what reason you pick him, all that, all that fun stuff. Yeah. My guy is Kyle Lowry um, was, was signed and traded from Toronto Raptors to the Miami heat. Uh, and I'm strictly looking at him as, as a member of the heat. Look, I, I love this deal. I, I, I love the signing. I will say that I think that the three-year contract at 85 million might be a little rich for how old he is. He's 35 years old, might be rich towards the end of it. With that said, Lowry's bringing an ability to make plays. He has good ball handling, and he's going to take some pressure off of Jimmy Butler and um, out of Bayou. Uh, also, he's a very reliable defender, and he's a really, really good teammate, as you can, as you hear from the Toronto Raptors, you know, countless times. He's, he's a fan favorite because he's a warrior. He goes out there and plays his heart out. And, and I think it's actually building, it's building upon this culture in Miami where you don't, you may not have a LeBron, but you got, but you have a bunch of guys that are self selfless that are um, willing to, to work together for, you know, as an entire team. And it may not, it may not be able to beat a, you know, stack Lakers team or an, or a hopefully improved Warriors team or, or even in your own in your own uh, conference, you're looking at a very very stacked Brooklyn Nets team. It may not be enough for that right now, but it turns your fans. It it it, it, it creates love for your fans, and it cre- and it creates a love for the team when you have a culture like that. And that that's enough to get the team to get the team kind of coming together, making moves. I kind of look at the Phoenix Suns in that kind of sense, where you know they were clearly not in terms of star power, not the ultimate star power of the of the playoffs but they came together when it mattered and they made plays they they were selfless they defended and i think that he's gonna bring that to a team that already has a little bit of it but now you can you know take a little bit of pressure off of jimmy butler and let him breathe a little bit and um and he also has the ability to make to make uh, have some good games have some big games so um i i love this deal yeah i I agree with you. Um, sad for Toronto fans because Kyle Lowry was the heart and soul of that team. Possible greatest Raptor of all time. Probably. Um, probably. And, you know, helped lead them to their one and only championship, um, you know, with, with Kawhi, obviously. But uh, as a Heat, you know, I'm a little worried about his age. You know, there's a lot of talk about him going to the Lakers. And I was a little hesitant on that because of his age. Lo and behold, the Lakers just got super old anyway. So it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, I, I agree. He can, he can definitely take some of the scoring, uh, load off of Jimmy Butler. Um, you know, Bam is a great defender, but he kind of needs help on the scoring end. He can't go get a bucket himself as much. And you're right. Kyle Lowry is, I mean, he's a bulldog. Like he'll get after it on the defensive end, you know, for being a, like kind of an undersized guy. Um, he can get it on the, on the court for sure. So I think, he and especially with Jimmy Butler being known as like not the greatest teammate ever and like Kobe like in his aggressiveness uh, Kyle Lowry can definitely maybe like even out that Miami heat locker room sometimes because he does seem like one of those guys that just you hear around the league is a great teammate um okay and then trade in just we, we haven't talked about this before but with this signing Miami Heat top four in the East at the end of next season. I I, I would venture to to I bet on that. I bet on that okay. top four team. Yeah. Okay, I like that. Um, okay, moving on. Ty Ty, who's your guy? 
Uh, I got Carmelo Anthony to the Lakers. Uh, this was obviously kind of a more low-key signing. Westbrook, the big name that the Lakers got, but um, it was just a, it was an interesting pick. Uh, I just want to go through some pros and cons, in my opinion, of what this tri- of the what this signing is to Lakers. I think pros-wise, you get a great veteran leader who adds depth to that bench. Um, I think he's going to be very motivated to play with the Lakers. Carmelo Anthony has never won an NBA title. He's never actually never he's never been to a final, um, and now he's on a team that can potentially allow him to do that. One of the best chances he's had to do that in a very long time, if ever. Um, I think he's going to be very motivated to play whatever role is necessary for him to be successful and him to contribute to that Lakers team. Cons, 37 years old on an already uh, older roster, right? You got, you know, LeBron James is is getting up there. Westbrook is getting up there. AD, you know, I wouldn't say he's old, but he's definitely, you know, injury-wise, you know, is kind of like an, an older kind of guy. Um, just, a, just a lot of old guys that I think um, injury-wise is a concern. And I think in a, in a league that's dominated by speed and athleticism, it's a little bit of a concern for me. Um, the fact that Lakers just keep adding older guys. They also signed Dwight Howard, older guy. Um, but maybe they're just kind of going against the grain a little bit and maybe that'll work out. I don't know. But to me, the age of all these guys that are signing is I mean, Carmelo Anthony is one of the all-time great players. I mean, I'm super pumped to see him play in a Lakers uniform, to play alongside LeBron James, guys that were both drafted in the, in the same year, finally playing on the same team. I think it, it, entertainment-wise and nostalgic-wise, I think it's awesome. Um, I just don't know how great he's going to be. Um, I'm personally not expecting him to be, like, you know, the number four guy on the team. I think he's going to be a solid role guy off the bench, and hopefully he contributes in a way that's going to make this team successful. Um, I just think it was an interesting sign. I think um, a lot, not, not a lot of people are talking about it too much. Um, I think for obvious reasons, I think Carmelo Anthony is obviously not the same player he was, you know, five, six years ago, and he's had an amazing career. Um, and the Lakers, you know, have already had their big names on there. But as a Lakers fan myself, I just thought it was an interesting sign. And I think there's pros and cons to it. Um, but ultimately, I think it's going to be a good thing if he can stay healthy. And I, I, I really, why I think Marlon Anthony is going to succeed with the Lakers is as, as I mentioned, he's never won a final. This is the best chance he's had in a very long time to do so. And I think that motivation, and I think he's going to put his ego aside in terms of, you know, having the minutes and having the, the, the star, the, the spotlight on him. And he's going to be that role guy that helps the, 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 the team win. Yeah. Um, I like it in a certain aspect because they need shooters. Like we talked, we talked about this, you know, a couple of weeks ago when the Westbrook deal went down, Westbrook's a terrible shooter. LeBron has never been a great shooter. He can get, have good shooting nights, but his, his, you know, great skill set is going to the basket and passing. AD is a pretty good shooter for a big man, but he's, he's no sharpshooter. Carmelo can still shoot. He can't really go get it at that much anymore at 37. Uh, defensively, he's a liability. Um, this Lakers team can still be good defensively. Um, you know, Dwight Howard can still be good defensively. LeBron, AD, those guys can all be good defensively. So if they match him with the right, like, lineup, the defensive issues he has probably won't be that big of a deal. But I agree with you, Tyler. He is just there to be your guy off the bench that sits in the corner and gets the ball kicked out to him and knocks down a three. And that's all the Lakers really need from him at this point. I mean, they have – a, a very talented big three, obviously, and those three guys can go get it. Carmelo is just there to make shots, and that was something the Lakers needed. So 
I can see it being a good signing. Um, you know, he seemed to be rejuvenated playing with Dame and McCollum in Portland, and now he gets to play with Braun and AD and Westbrook in LA. And I think same thing, same same thing. You know, he and LeBron are super tight, and they just want they've wanted to play together for years, and here they finally get that chance. So, as also as a Lakers fan, I hope it goes well. Uh, okay, James, who's your guy? Lonzo Ball goes to the Chicago Bulls. Thought this was a great trade for both parties here, um, for Lonzo and the Bulls, because Lonzo wanted to go somewhere where he was appreciated. This is the first time in his career where he's actually getting to pick where he goes. He was drafted by the Lakers and got sent to New Orleans in the AD trade. So he was pretty much being forced, but now he's finally getting to pick, and it's where he wanted to go. There's a lot of history in Chicago, obviously, with MJ, uh, but it's a completely different team. This different style of play, different culture, different everything, and he gets to be part of that now. It's going to be more natural for, for his style of play. He's not really relied on to be the guy who scores a lot anymore because he never was that guy. Lonzo Ball is more of a passer, playmaker kind of dude, but they got Zach Levine up there, and they signed DeMar DeRozan, and they have Nikola Vucevic. There's a lot of good talent in the, for that starting five for the Bulls, and Alex Caruso, who was undrafted, played for the Lakers, got this huge deal. He's now on that team as well. That team is good. And Lonzo Ball isn't the star. There's a there's three different stars on that team. I mean, Zach Levine is going to get 25 points a night. Y'all forget that DeMar DeRozan is a lights-out kind of shooter, lights-out kind of guy, flashy, because he played for the Spurs. He didn't get to showcase that. You play in that pop system, you don't get to be you. And so now he goes to Chicago where he finally gets to explode and be like what he did with Toronto. He's a good player. Vucevic was solid with the Magic. He's going to be a big deal here, too. This is a good team, and Lonzo Ball just gets to sit back, ball handle, play some great defense, and pass the ball. He's not a great shooter. He never has been. He's not being asked to anymore. There's going to be times where he puts up 14, 15 a night, and that's all you can ask. That's all you want. But he's going to get double. He's going to average 12 assists a night. It's going to be fantastic. That's what he's going to do. That's what he loves to do. Lonzo Ball is going to succeed in this team, and then the Bulls are going to be a playoff team because of it. I, actually, I do agree with you. I think he wanted – it seemed like he always kind of wanted to go to Chicago. Um, that team feels almost a little underrated at this point. Zach Levine had an incredible year last year. So did Vupacic. They led my fantasy basketball championship. Just got to mention that again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's fake. They were they, – okay. That's fucking what's-his-face's fault. Uh, <laughs> the team <laughs> – the Bulls – should be should be much better. They should be a playoff team this year. Um, yeah, and you're right. Lonzo's never going to be a scorer. That was never his skill set. Um, and now he can just do what he can do best, which is be a playmaker, pass, and play good defense. Like he is a good defender because he's a big, tall, like point guard for you know for his position. He's like a larger guy. So um, I, I like it too. I hope it rejuvenates him. You know, he got a lot of shit in L.A. Uh, partly because his dad's a fucking joke. Um, he played on some terrible teams, and then he got shipped off to New Orleans where, you know, they should have been better and they didn't succeed. And, you know, hopefully with him in Chicago, it will go well for him. Um, so where in the standings do you think the Bulls will end up, James? Six through eight in the East. Okay. So a b- bottom tier, but still in, still in the playoffs. Yeah. I like that. I think it's the first year they're all together. It's going to take some time to gel. It's going to be these guys are here for multiple years. Give their second year, they're fighting for a top five. 
yeah, the top the top part of the East is super loaded too. Um, yeah. So that that does make it pretty tough. Uh, okay, so for my guy, um, I'm gonna pick Patty Mills, who signed with the Brooklyn Nets, uh, two years, sixteen million. They got an incredibly good point guard to be the backup to Kyrie when Kyrie is inevitably hurt and or is out for other issues. Um, you know, Kyrie is, you know, very vocal and will just leave and like won't play games sometimes. And you never really know what happens. It's sometimes it's family thing. Sometimes it's whatever, but he's just kind of not there sometimes. And they just got Patty Mills for pretty cheap in basketball money to be that guy who was legit in San Antonio and is now going to play on an incredibly loaded Brooklyn Nets team. Um, you know, and we just saw him help lead the Australian team to bronze in the Olympics. I mean, he dropped 40, 43 points in one of those games. So he can definitely go get it. Um, you know, I think it's kind of with him too, like people are leaving San Antonio. It's their San Antonio starting their rebuild. He gets to go to a contending team. Um, you know, he's won a championship before he can help kind of bring some of those guys together. So I think that's an incredibly huge pickup for that Brooklyn Nets team that is obviously has championship aspirations. Um, and you need guys on your bench like that if you want to win in the NBA. Um, and it's a huge help for injury concerns for both Harden and Kyrie, who, you know, missed time last year. So Patty Mills is my guy, kind of under the radar too. But uh, James, that's it. Um, you know, unless Eric just magically shows up and has a guy. I'm done. <laughs> I doubt that. Eric is probably now gambling his life away. Um, <laughs> old faces, new places. Love that. Uh, I'm going to miss your basketball segments. Alex have been great. So until, until basketball ramps up again, I'm excited for your segments. Uh, <laughs> that pretty much concludes episode 60, guys. Thank you for staying and listening to all of it. Thanks for being along for the ride. Uh, one more thing I just want to shout out, Tyler. Tyler, this is one of your better episodes, man. You've had a lot of good episodes, but this episode was solid for you. So really good job, man. Um, Thanks, Clyde. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, to everybody else, hope you guys enjoyed Tyler. Hope you guys enjoyed us. Uh, hope you have a good rest of your week, and we'll see you next week.